to the Easy Peasy Podcast, where we discuss living better through permaculture, mindfulness, decentralization, freedom, flow, agorism, anarchy, and more. We'll discuss how to solve life's complex problems with simple solutions. This is Mike the Polymath coming from the Easy Peasy Workshop in Indianapolis, Indiana, the crossroads of America. Thanks for joining. go all right patrick Rorman, mt knives what's happening brother nothing much man how are you doing i'm good i'm good welcome to episode 90 that's a that's a big number man 90 yeah we're getting there let me uh take a rain check can can you come back to me on episode 100 no i got big plans for 100 (laughs) (laughs) you know you should you should just make plans to drive out here for episode 100 because i'm trying to get I'm trying to get as many folks together as I can, maybe, you know, Cool. yeah, man. Well, I'm glad, uh, I'm glad we made this happen. You know, yeah. uh, it was cool meeting you out at a uh, self-reliance fest and I don't know, you know, it was kind of like, uh, there were only a handful of folks hanging out by the time I got acquainted with you, but it was, it was a fun bunch and we, uh, we partied it up, man. We had a good time. Yep. Yeah. yeah it was, the, it was a good time. Well, I suppose uh, let's start by letting you introduce yourself, tell the audience kind of who you are, and uh, I guess what you do. Well, I'm Patrick Rohrman, owner of MT Knives. Um, been a full-time knife maker for about the last eight, nine years. I just uh, hang around in my shop and make sharp, pointy things. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And uh, I remember asking you at one point in our uh, correspondence, I guess you'd call it, uh, like, is there something about dangerous things that attracts you? Because uh, your other your other kind of uh, trade, if you will, is is high voltage electricity, right? Yeah, being a lineman. Yeah, yeah. there's a real good uh, little video clip about bare hand line work, which is where they go up and. Uh, bond on to high voltage transmission lines and they work it energized at the line voltage and i think we talked a little bit about that at um the self-reliance expo Mm -hmm. um a younger in my younger days i would have been all for that you know now i'm a little more cautious but uh but i never did any bare hand work but i definitely worked some high voltage and uh yeah, I don't know. But with that skit, the guy's, you know, showing you what he does and talking about it. It's got a helicopter like flying over this beautiful scenery and shows him bonding onto the line and working on it. And uh, he says, there's three things I'm afraid of. Electricity, heights and women. <laughs> and I'm married, too. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, uh, that that might be a theme. Uh, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see here. But uh, <laughs> as you know, I got I I got to know a slightly terrifying woman that night that you and I got acquainted. <laughs> we won't go into details, but she, you know, she was cool. She was she was a good time. Whatever. But uh, yeah, man. I you know it was just funny when you and I met. Like I I. We, we were hanging out for a while before I realized that I like knew of you. Right. And I know of you through the survival podcast. Like you don't do your own show. Do you? No, no, I'm a bum. <laughs> I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say that's that, a lot but... of work, man. You know, yeah, yeah. I, uh, I've been fortunate enough to have several friends who had pretty large, uh, YouTube or, podcast and and i tell you it's it's a special breed of people it's a lot you know everybody i think people think of you know youtube or a podcaster they just sit around and eat bonbons and you know video themselves but there's a lot of work to it and Mm. i i've done i've dabbled with a little bit of youtube and i've made some videos but you know the the hard thing with it is is there's very little return on your investment unless, you know, you put in the work and you do it every day Yeah. and you're just kind of, it's a gamble, you know, you kind of, you do the work and you just hope for the best. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I, I'll do a video here and there. Um, but, um, it's really hard to be consistent. You know, you have to really make the time and just make it happen. And I don't love it enough to make that happen. So, well, I, you know, I think uh, content creators probably share a certain, like, uh, you know, craving for attention, which maybe you don't have, <laughs> which is probably like nothing to be ashamed of, you know. <laughs> I'll just, I'll just say it, you know. Uh, I, I don't think it's an unhealthy thing as long as you have a, purpose behind uh you know sharing or what have you but you you just seem like a guy that likes your work and likes to make things sharp like you said um so you've been doing it you said what like 13 years or something like that yeah somewhere around there i lose track of how long it's been but uh yeah i don't you know knife making i just love to learn you know what i mean like Mm -hmm. Knife making is just kind of where I, I fell into. And one thing cool about knife making is, is there's so many different disciplines and things that you can add to it. It's not, it can be as easy or as complex as you really want it to be. Sure. Well, yeah. You could, you can make, it, it's kind of like the model rocket kits, you know, you could buy a kit and just glue it together. Or you could, you know, <clears throat> work with raw ingredients and forge a bloom and then take that bloom and forge it into steel. And I mean, it's it's a rabbit hole that you could go pretty deep down into. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you could you get into hand sharpening and you get into all these different water stones and natural stones and you get into uh, inlays and hand engraving 
and every little, you know, every one of these things, you get into the, the metallurgy side of it and mm -hmm. studying the different, you know, metallurgy and the traits and the, what makes steel good. It's a never ending rabbit hole. Like you, you take 10 lifetimes to really know it all, you know? So I'm still just learning. So, so do you, <clears throat> you know, I, I I hope I'm not like pointing out the only part of knife making that you don't do, but you're not a forger, right? If I'm not so mistaken. I, I actually started out forging. Did you know? Okay. Yeah. So originally, you know, every man desires, I think you see, you know, you want to light up a fire and stick mm -hmm. some metal in it, make it hot and hammer it into shape. So um, I actually yeah, flew across the country and, originally took a class with um a knife maker who spent a lot of time in japan and i forged um three knives with him learned how to do you know traditional japanese blade smithing and i came home and forged you know my first knives were all forged laminate steel um and I enjoyed it, but when I went from, you know, doing it as a hobby to full-time knife making, I started working with known, like, you know, uh, I started working with another knife maker who had been making knives for, I think, 40 plus years, and he really liked this XHP, and it's a powdered metallurgy steel, and when you're making hundreds or thousands of knives, the, you know, if I was to forge them, first of all, you know, it's getting the steel, knowing the quality of the steel and um, being able to have a repeatable process. And with forging, there's so many, um, things that can it's hard to dial it into an exact science right so mm -hmm. the more controlled the the environment the more repeatable you're going to get so i wanted something that was repeatable and controlled and that's where like i moved into kind of your space age alloys or you know your powdered metallurgy steel and uh, you know heat treating with an oven that i could dial it to the perfect temperature I can hold it at that temperature for the right amount of time. I can quench it and all these, all these things, like we're keeping the tolerance so tight that I don't even need to Rockwell test my blades because I can tell you how hard they're going to be when they come, when the, when the process is done and you, you know, you can verify that you test and verify, but it's a very dialed in process with repeatable results. And so I'm selling quality. I'm selling, you know, that reliable edge and grain structure. And so I like forging is fun, but you know, when you're trying to produce thousands of knives, hundreds of knives, thousands of knives every year and have a repeatable system, it's, you know, I think it's hard to do. It would take, it would take a lifetime to master forging by sight and you know the way the japanese do it 
um, you know, it takes a lifetime to master it. And I think you're always going to end up with some percentage of, you know, there's always going to be that knife or two out of the batch. that's going to be perfect. Mm-hmm. And there's always going to be that knife or two out of the batch that's, you know, thrown in the scrap pile. Yeah. Yeah. So <clears throat> no, that makes sense. You know, it's kind of like knowing, um, I don't know. It's, there's like a humility in, in knowing how to best channel your energy into creating what you're trying to create. Um, you know, part of me really wants to take over, like, I, I would love to have my own compost operation for my gardening work, but that's a whole nother, uh, a whole nother animal, you know? So it is, it's kind of like, you know, one thing at a time, I guess, but I, I am wearing your knife. I've, I've made it part of my everyday carry, you know, for the most part. And, uh, I had a, I had a button up like Hawaiian shirt on yesterday and somebody saw it. They're like, what the hell is that around your neck? I'm like, Hey, boom, <laughs> you know, and they they didn't quite know what to think of it, but, uh, you warned me to be awfully careful with it. So I have been so far, no incidents, but you, yeah. you told me you've cut yourself on, on one of your knives. I'm sure that's probably happened a whole bunch. Yeah. Man, I just cut myself yesterday. Yeah, I was yeah. chickens and <laughs> got dumb, had my finger in the way. So, Shoot. I mean, you know, if you're going to use a knife, you're going to get cut. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, if you, if you use it a lot, I worked at a meat locker for a while. And so my left index fingers got who knows how many scars on it from just bone and meat, you know, mm-hmm. you get in a hurry and slip and next thing you know, you're bleeding. So I'll tell you, it doesn't take, it doesn't take but a half a second, even with my relatively blunt, uh, soil knife, you know, I carry like a, you know, a, a whatever, uh, hoary, hoary knife. Some people call them. Yeah. And it's got the serrated edge on one side and I'll be chopping, chopping, chopping. If you know, if for just a half a second, I, you know, get distracted and I chop and my hands in the wrong place, I've, I've gouged myself pretty good. So, you know, working with them all day, all day long is I'm sure it's just occupational hazard. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But that's cool, man. Uh, so I guess, did you get started? I mean, like you said, you did some forging stuff, but it sounded to me, if I, if I remember right, that you kind of made a, side hustle out of just sharpening at first and kind of went from there or am I wrong? No, that, um, no, I started out making knives. Hmm. I started out, I started out to learn how I learned how to sharpen first. That's, that was kind of, you know, I told you the story of, you know, watching my dad sharpen his knife and seeing him shave hair off his arm and was just blown away. And, um, Hmm. I mean, sharpening, is so simple yet so complicated, you know, and it, I don't know about you, like how much sharpening you've done, but it's always, it's always amazing to me because it's also an area where people don't like to admit that they're not good at. Yeah. They either, you know, I, they either won't admit that they're not good at it or you know they just uh, i don't know it's you know a lot of times guys don't like to i don't know they feel i think there's a sense of uh like it's almost like an attack on their manhood if you like ask them 
would you like me to sharpen your knife? You know, because it's like, yeah, well, yeah. you know, I, I can sharpen my own knife. And, you know, if you can't, if you can't admit that, Hey, you know, like I might know how to do something. Okay. But I'm not a professional. Um, you know, I had a guy standing and watching me sharpen knives at this event one time and he just kept just standing there. And I finally asked him if he'd like, you know, cause you know, several customers had come, come and gone. And I finally asked him, say, you know, do you have a knife you want sharpened? He's like, Oh no, my, my knife's sharp. I said, okay. Um, I said, well, um, he's like, I was just looking at your machine. I wondered how it works. And, uh, he's like, I, I sharpen knives for a living or something like that. You know, he's he like, said I, that he, he, he yeah. sharpens really. Yeah. Wow. So like he, you know, he didn't think he needed me to sharpen his knife. <clears throat> yeah. I says, well, when he asked me how the machine works, I said, well, if you got a knife, I'll show you. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. He, he pulls out his knife, which was not sharp, you know? Yeah. 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 And I, I showed him how, to, how it worked. And then when I gave it to him, when it was done, he looked at it. He's like, well, I don't get them that sharp. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, hey, you know, you might make more money if you did. Yeah. 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 Right. Well, so, I took that. You probably, I'm sure you saw it because whatever, we became kind of like Instagram, you know, back and forth after, after self-reliance. But I took this slow motion video of you sharpening one of, one of my knives. And of course, I overanalyze the shit out of everything hence being a podcaster um but i i watched you kind of like feel the um the angle of the blade before like repositioning your hand when it's in slow motion i'm sure you're not even thinking about it while you're doing it you just like you're getting to know the knife in about half a second and then you're putting it to the to the you know the belt right and uh and i just thought it was cool to watch it in slow motion i felt like i got lucky taking that one video Cause it was just like, wow. Yeah. Like he, you know, there's a method here and uh, because you've done it probably God knows how many times. Right. And yeah. um, you know, it makes me think of sort of what I was talking with Spearco about just, you know, four or five days ago uh, this idea of like flow. And when, you know, I, again, I'm not an expert knife sharpener. Like you said, I, I, I wouldn't hesitate to hand my knife over to you. In fact, I asked you to, you know, I asked you to sharpen <laughs> when I bought one from you, I said, can I get a, you know, a second one sharpened while we're at it? And, uh, it's cause I know that in order to get a knife, like suitably sharp, I really have to be like focused on it. I've just got a couple of stones and, uh, you know, I really have to focus for a good hour to like get a knife good and sharp on a stone. And, uh, you know, you kind of fuck up one time and you totally have to almost go all the way back to square one. And, uh, so I, I appreciate that it is, it's not as easy as a lot of, you know, a lot of macho bravado, like motherfuckers might, might try to tell you it's like, unless you've well, really put the hours in, it's a skill like any other, you can be sort of okay at it or, or really fucking good one of the two well and you know the thing is is i sharpen well over 600 knives a year you know mm-hmm. um and i've taught countless people how to sharpen a knife and really i still i still wouldn't say that 
I know everything about sharpening. I still watch every video that comes out on YouTube or whatever on sharpening because I don't know what I don't know. Right. And when you start teaching people, it's one thing to have a skill. It's another thing to be able to teach it to somebody else. Cause as you start teaching it, you have to like unlearn everything that you know in order to like break it down in the simplest way. And the more people you teach, the more you learn because not everybody learns the same way. Right, not every, right. you need to make that light bulb click <laughs> and for different people, different things make that light bulb click turn on for them. And as you start navigating those waters of teaching people and getting that light bulb to turn on for them, you start, you start figuring out how to better teach it and what works in, in teaching certain people, you know, like women are going to learn one way. Men are going to learn another different personality types learn better than the other. So like, I, I taught a lady here, oh, a couple months back and I, it was exciting to teach her because I could tell right away that she was going to receive instruction well, and she was going to understand what I was trying to get. Cause sharpening's not just, it's a, you know, you, I heard you talk about flow, you know, like it's a, Oh, I, I consider it almost a meditative work. Like you are listening to the way it sounds. You're paying attention to the way it feels. You're observing all these things. And so that's why I said, it's like really simple at the core of it. It's holding the knife at a certain angle, keeping it there until you establish the edge and then stropping and refining that edge. But I mean, that's very simple, but it's very complex because a good sharpener can get to that end result very, very quickly. You know, a beginner, it's going to take 10 times as long or, you know, who knows how long, or they're never going to get there. You know what I mean? Like without proper training and proper you know, I failed. Yeah. Yeah. I, I failed and I failed and I failed, you mm -hmm. know, mm -hmm. and it's not until you get good instruction and you put in the time, you know, you play the guitar, right? Just so, a bit, just a bit, but yeah, I don't put in I mean, the time. See, I don't put in the time. I could right. be, I could be a lot better. Certainly. Yeah. I have a friend who is just an amazing guitar player and the things he's, He's been playing all of his life. He's gone to college for it. And, you know, like I, I have a little bit of, it's difficult because when you become really, really good at something, everything else besides perfection is a disappointment. Right. Right. And I said like, and, and that's kind of where, I am with sharpening is if I use a knife, it's probably not as sharp as it could be. You know what I mean? Like the minute you start using it, 
it's it's losing its edge mm-hmm. and honestly a knife will lose its edge just sitting there over time sure just so, by by oxidation i mean yeah Just, I mean, we're in a state of decay, like things are breaking down and being Mm -hmm. destroyed. If you don't stay on top of it, it's, it's, you know, like Jack says, you know, tick tock, tick tock, you know, Mm -hmm. you're never standing still, still you're either, you know, making forward progress or you're losing ground. Mm -hmm. The knife edge is the same way. You know, when I pull it off that stone, it's going to be as sharp as it's ever going to be. And you know, that's the, the other thing that I try to teach people too, is how to preserve the life of an edge because most people destroy the edge of a knife. They don't realize how fragile it is. Right. And right. It's, you know, there's a lot of things in life like that. You know, um, if you take care of it, it's going to last a lot longer and, you know, perform a lot better. Some people will never have anything nice because they don't know how to take care of anything. You know, it's kind of like um, <clears throat> I have I have two old trucks, and I've always loved the experience of driving. I would love to, you know, get to the point financially where I could even do a little bit of uh, amateur you know, racing and stuff like that. But I think part of driving and maintaining, if you're going to do it yourself, an old vehicle is being highly attuned to how that vehicle feels. And if something in you says something in here don't feel right not like pushing that aside and not just ignoring it, but kind of working through the, the problem. Like, why is it not running how it usually runs? And I find that um, if you just kind of sit with it, the, the answer becomes clear a lot of times. And I'm sure it's not a perfect analogy to knife sharpening, but it's, it's, it's that being attuned to the metal, so to speak uh, for me, sitting in the driver's seat of one of my trucks, I'm getting so much information from you know, my eyes, ears, hands, my ass, my feet, you know, how do the pedals feel? How does the steering wheel feel? Uh, what kind of noises am I, you know, am I hearing? And it, I, I just imagine when you're holding a blade, you're, you're just, you're so attuned to the, the vibration of that blade. You even apply the pro, you know, proper amount of pressure, whereas some people oh, would yeah. be so heavy handed, you know, they'd, they'd, grind away half the material before it ever got sharp. Um, but I saw your machine and I think your machine's pretty cool. Why don't you like, tell us about your Frankenstein sharpener. You do sell, <laughs> you sell these things, don't you? Yeah. 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 yeah um, you know, that's kind of funny people. Well, what do you think about this or that? And I won't throw names out there, but you know, the commercial sharpeners or yeah, yeah. You know, things online. And, um, so the machine I use is made here locally. Um, it is the best machine on the market, I feel, for sharpening knives. And being that I do this for a living, if there was a better machine on the market, I'd have it. You know, sure, sure. Um, I've tried different machines. And, but here's the deal about any machine, any machine has its limitations it's the user and not the machine but a machine goes a long ways because uh, 
I like to tell people, hey, it'll sharpen knives faster. It'll also destroy them faster. Mm-hmm. You don't know what you're doing. You're going to destroy a knife faster than you would on some stones you know a lot of people are hesitant to go to sharpening stones because they're afraid they're going to mess up their knife and it's like well it's funny because those same people will buy some cheap sharpener off of the internet and go destroy their knife <laughs> yeah, yeah right 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 put put basically another like factory edge on the on the blade when the factory edge already sucked right I'm afraid to get. I'm afraid to get on a bicycle with training wheels. Uh, can I ride your motorcycle? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You can do a lot of damage real quick. I made that mistake when I first got my bike. Uh, buddy came over, said, "Hey, you know, I've ridden. Can I like try it out? I'm thinking about buying one." Oh yeah, sure. Like you know how it works, right? Uh huh. He popped a wheelie. Didn't even mean to. You know, he ended oh. up running behind the thing. You know, holding on to it. I can't believe he didn't drop it i just started yelling clutch 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 you know he finally he hopped right back on it and it was like yep never again nobody's ever getting on my motorcycle because i mean if the bike gets banged up that's one thing but i don't want to see one of my friends like drive through my neighbor's you know living room on accident and get all fucked up so (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah. i learned that the hard way on a kid's three-wheeler down in florida when I was mm-hmm. about 16. Uh, Talking like one of those Honda ATV type, like three wheelers or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Kid just rebuilt it with his dad. Like, <laughs> I, and his dad's like, you know, don't, don't go real fast and blah, blah. Well, his buddy was leading the way and he just took off. He just, he just left me in the dust. And I'm, you know, I'm going slow. I'm trying to, you know, be nice. And I try, I just speed up a little bit, a little bit more. And, down there, those roads are just, it was just sand. Mm-hmm. And uh, I got pulled over kind of onto the shoulder and I went to pull it, you know, get her back on the road and onto the other side. So I was like, okay, I'm going to ease it back down into the road. And as I was easing it down, the next thing I know, I'm Superman through the air, you know. And um, I hit the ground and I turn around and I look and I see that three wheeler rolling towards me. And I was like, oh man. And, um, I get, I get, I flip it back up on its wheels and I get on it, put it in drive and it's not going well, but this time his buddy comes back to me and he's like, Oh, you know, you just, you know, the chain popped off. So we put the chain back on and I was like, Oh, good. I thought I'd, you know, messed it up. I get going and mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I bit that back axle. I left, it left, uh, streaks on the tank from like my shoes going like fly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I bought the kid, you know, I paid like 300 bucks to get a new axle put on that thing. But it was after that, I was like, you know, I'm not right. Somebody's, you know, if you ain't, if you ain't willing to buy it for yourself, don't, don't get on somebody else's. You that's, know? that's pretty, that's a good policy. I think. Yeah. 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 Well, I tell you, man, it's, it's a, it's a real bummer on my end here, but okay. So I've used zoom like a bunch of times, right? Oh yeah. I'd say time left eight minutes, eight minutes. So that's, that is showing you that on your side too. This has never happened to me. You know, this has not happened before. So, um, (laughs) I'm almost thinking, so did you, do you have Google Chrome? 
No. No. We talked wonder, about this. How long have we been going? I don't know. I don't know. You want to just pick it up another one and splice them together? Can you do yeah, that? Yeah, I can I can do that. I can do that. Let's do that. And uh and because yeah, I got a couple of other things I want to ask you about. I bet well, you we've you want I bet to roll you, for the last seven minutes? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure, sure. Let's take we'll it just, to the limit. Yeah, take it to the limit, brother. <laughs> Rock and roll. Hell yeah. But uh, you know, okay, so I am I, you know, it's like it's kind of a big thing. Um you've got 10 kids yeah Ten um, kids. i've got i've got 10 children yeah <laughs> we had a couple kids we got rid of those uh, uh, uh <laughs> i'm not gonna ask i'm just kidding <laughs> kids are baby coats it was just you know i got children so how long how long have you and your wife been together uh, the whole time, pretty much. Like since you were kiddos, I mean, <laughs> the I whole think, time. <laughs> I think we just celebrated twenty-one years. Okay, not too long. You don't look a day over. I'm not going to say. How old are you? <laughs> uh, I think. Let's see. I got to think about it. Forty-three. Okay. Wow. So y'all, y'all hitched up pretty young, and you just started having kiddos, huh? Like, was there, was there, um. Was there ever a discussion like, hey, are we ever going to like stop having kids or? <laughs> well, when I married her, she said that she wanted a dozen kids. Well, before we got married, she's like, I want a dozen kids. I was like, you're crazy. <laughs> I figured for sure she was just joking or I figured she'd tap out or something. But she hasn't yet. <laughs> yeah. We're going to stop when we have an ugly one. That's what I told you. <laughs> That's awesome, man. No, I, you know, I just think it's, I actually, I do. I think it's awesome because, um, you know, the whole idiocracy thing, right? Like, I'm sure you've probably seen that movie. Unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. And, well, and I just, you know, it's kind of like a sick, um, take on things and I hope it's not actually true, but sometimes it feels like it is true where you look around and like a lot of these educated folks are like, you know, good folks that, you know, they, they have maybe one kid, if any, or, you know, they'll stop at two. And it's like, I think it's this kind of mindset of like, we want to have like a, a tight control over our, over our lives. And this is the ideal for us. And, um, you know, you watch movies like cheaper by the dozen and you just think you'd have to be batshit crazy to have that many kids, but you know, sort of as I get older and I'm starting to think about maybe starting a family, I think it'd be a blast to have a whole gaggle, you know, as long as you, you can keep the ship afloat. Right. We have, and, we have seven, we have four minutes left and you break out the, the how many kids you got. Stop <laughs> <it>. <laughs> hey, we're making the most of our time here. We can pick up right where we left off, but yeah. uh, I guess I'll just ask you this. Like, is it manageable? Like how, how do y'all manage it? We, yeah, I mean, I'd say we haven't lost any yet, but we had some other, no, um, <laughs> it's, you know, it's, um, I wouldn't say it's for everybody. Um, you know, it's, it's always kind of interesting. It's always interesting just breaching topics like this, um, because 
I think our decisions we make are important. And at the same time, just because I do something doesn't mean that somebody else has to do that, you know? Um, just because I'm, I have 10 kids don't mean that you need to have 10 kids. It's a very, you know, that's a very kind of personal subject. And it's, it's something that it's a very difficult conversation because there's people that would love to have kids that can't have kids. Right. Right. People that can have kids super easy and, you know, in some people's opinion, they shouldn't have kids, (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know, um, it's just what we, you know, we have, uh, we have our convictions about what is right, what is wrong and, you know, how we should live our life, how much control we should take. Mm. And, um, so, I mean, it's kind of a moral thing for us as far as, you know, like we, we make the best decisions with the, the information that we have. And, um, you know, a lot of people probably think we shouldn't have kids or shouldn't think we should have less or, you know, whatever. It's a, it's a difficult thing, but anything, uh, all these decisions that we make, um, it's a, it's a moral decision for us we feel like it's what we're called to do and it's, it's not a popular, you know, opinion. So it's, it always, it always comes up in topics of conversation, you know, right. Cause the world's overpopulated. Supposedly. Yeah. We're killing ourselves and we're all yeah. going to burn, but we're all, nobody's getting out of this life alive. You know, that's the guarantee. So, you know, I, it's, it's just funny. Cause I, I, I had some guys here in the shop with me like a weekend and well, whatever, two weekends ago. And they, all three of them, you know, it's four guys, myself included. And all three of these other guys are talking about how, yeah, I'm, I'm just probably going to get a vasectomy cause I don't ever want to have kids. And it made me sad, man. Made me sad. Um, now I tell you what, we're in the last minute of our allotted time here on Zoom, which is lame as hell. I don't know how I got away with doing it for so long, but we're going to have to hit the pause and come back. Uh, All right. Yeah. Let's, cool. get, let's get back on this. Cool. Hey, oh. I, think, I think we're good now. <laughs> hey, they just notified me you're recording me. I don't know I about am. this. Well, hey, I already got your consent, so no, no turning, no turning back now. <laughs> we we're talking about kids. Yeah, Children. man. So, what do you think about all these young dudes that are like, "Why would I ever bring a kid into this world?" You know, I mean, who? It always people fascinate me, right? Mm. Like, I, I people watch. I like to observe people and just see and, you know, somebody, you know, going back to sharpening here, being an observer, Mm -hmm. learning the art of observation, right? I like to watch people. I like to see, I like to see 
you know, how they respond to things. And I realized that the, that what you're seeing from these guys that don't want to have children is just a product of how they've been honed their life experiences that have brought them to this point. And, you know, I also don't, I don't believe what most people say. I look at, I try to, I try to look at the root cause and, you know, sometimes, right? Like we don't, we're not always honest with what we say. You know, we, like they say, Oh, I don't want to have kids. Well, what is it really? You know, like, are you, are you just afraid to have kids? Like, let's be honest. Yeah. Right. Is it fear? Is it, you know, is it, <clears throat> is it just a skewed reality of what, you know, what that means? Um, you know, in, in kind of jest, I say, well, if I had 12 kids like, or 10 kids like some of these people's kids, I wouldn't want to have 12, 10 kids, you know, whatever. Um, yeah. Children amplify their parents. If you don't like your child, you probably don't like you. And it is a, it's really, it's really, when I, when I see my children do something that I don't like and I, and I stop and I analyze it, a lot of times I realize it's something that I do that mm. I don't, it doesn't look good on somebody else. Mm. So it's a really, it's a really a growing experience because I learn how to be a better person having kids and it's an experience. I mean, you know, I would be a different father now. You know, my big kids say, well, you know, you weren't like that when we were growing up. It's like, like I'm 20 years older and, you know, yeah, I have yeah. 20 years of experience of raising children and, and, you know, I've grown up and I've changed. I've matured, you know, uh, whether that's any relationships, right. Whether that's a relationship with your spouse or a relationship with your children, uh, ultimately, hopefully 20 years from now you're a better person than you were today you know it's a progress um but yeah i like to watch people i like to to just see what makes people tick and you know the sad thing is is there's a bunch of hurting people out there yeah there's a bunch of people who are unfulfilled they're you know they've had bad experiences in their life and you know um they that's brought them to that point but you know kind of like with your gardening and stuff like having children is you know procreating it's you know it's it's pretty cool to carry on like I want my children to be better than me. Mm -hmm. I want them to be more skilled. I want them to be kinder, you know, and it's, 
it's a it's quite the journey raising little humans <laughs> you know and they're all different you know they're not it's it's not like they're all the same and once you figure it out you you have all the answers right so mm-hmm. yeah even though they're even though they're part you they're fully their own they're totally right. totally unique yeah right and there's from birth you know like children are born with the uniqueness from the time they're like, I we've seen it and you see them mature and you realize like, Oh yeah, they're, they're the, they're still the same as they were when they were little. They have tendencies and little things about them. That's just like in their DNA or something, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so that's pretty interesting. How old is your oldest and how old is your youngest? 23 and almost two. Wow. That's wild. (laughs) Pretty cool, man. Really is cool. Like I said, it just does. It kind of bums me out because it almost feels like uh, like defeatism or like nihilism um, to hear guys my age be like, yeah, just like, what's the point, you know, bringing bringing a kid into this crazy world or whatever. And it's like, well, it's only a crazy world if if you allow it to be, so to speak. And I don't know, man, I, I find it to be a little bit inspiring because it was funny, like the other night um, when when I was texting you and you're like, well, just give me a call if you want to. And I'm like, all right. And, uh, you know, it was pretty late. I mean, it wasn't crazy late, but it was it was probably at least, I don't know, yeah. 11, 11 o'clock my time, probably 10 o'clock your time, something like that. And it sounded like at least a couple of kids were you know, running around doing stuff behind you. And I'm just like, I'm like, isn't it after bedtime? And you're like, man, we don't really do that. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, it's, yeah, we're not, we're, we're not very, uh, conventional, you know, like being self-employed mm. and then homeschooling as well. Like we're not bound to that nine to five. And we like, we just kind of go with the flow of things, which can be good and can be bad. You know, you need, you need to have a a good amount of structure in your life, but you know, we, we're not that, Hey, it's eight o'clock, all kids in bed, you know, now we have some kids that are night owls, some that are early risers and, Mm -hmm. you know, so it's uh it's just chaos around here (laughs) but like i assume the good kind you seem i mean you seem like a totally relaxed kind of guy and i guess you'd kind of have to be um but maybe that's just on the surface you got you got all your craziness down underneath right i'll tell you what uh, (laughs) i said my wife's the amazing one you know people are like how do you do it you know how do you and you know we raise the children together but yet you know i'm i'm home so i'm available um and i spend time with my children but the uh you know she she does the things that i can't do you know Mm -hmm. like we're recording this podcast and i'm like hey you know kids gotta not be interrupting and you know being loud you gotta we gotta man the forts for at least an hour (laughs) 
yeah. Well, so far so good. They're uh, they're behaving themselves, I guess, at least as much as we could hope. Yeah, I have my shop, so you know it's it's not yeah. like. It, but. Well, speaking of the shop, man, I know you just you've invested in some pretty cool equipment here recently, haven't you? Yeah, uh, yeah, I have lots of fun toys. No shit. So, what are you sitting next to right here? Oh, that's my Shapoko CNC. That's that's the one you just picked up, right? Yeah, I got it last year, towards the end of the year. Got a water cool spindle for it. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's it's been quite the learning curve, mm-hmm. figuring out how to operate it well. So. But it's more, a pretty impressive little machine. For a little the more computer intensive than what you're maybe used to. Is that right? Yeah. Uh, it's uh, it's just that's you got to know how to design and you got to know how to you know program and there's just a lot to it. But pumping out some pretty sweet uh, handles on some knives now. Yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, so does that just cut the rough shape and then you've got to sand it down? Um, yeah, I've got it now dialed in to where I have minimal sanding and hand work to do. So uh, originally, I probably still spent another hour or better on the handles. Um, now I'm probably down in the 15 to 30 minute range of hand work after the CNC is done. I mean, I could get, I could, I could turn off a product right off this machine that most people would think was just fine. Sure. Sure. I have a pretty high standard of what I say is acceptable and what's not. So, Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, and I know from experience you charge accordingly as you ought to, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So then you also got like a laser, laser engraver, right? Yeah, I got two lasers, mm-hmm. uh, a fiber and a CO2. The fiber, the fiber is pretty cool. It's a Galvo and uh, meaning. So there's there's gantry lasers and there's Galvo lasers. Gantries, you know, have rails that they run on and they move back and forth, and the lasers moving around. Well, a Galvo laser has two mirrors, and they just move and bounce the light around. Mm -hmm. so they're super fast and super powerful it can uh it it will flat like etch into the steel so you wouldn't want your you wouldn't want your forearm underneath that i imagine no it'll it'll leave a mark yeah 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 it's one way to get a tattoo but yeah (laughs) i think they do that actually do they I think that some laser, people have. I mean, well, I know they do laser tattoo removals, right? Right, but yeah. I, I mean, you know, they did. They people do stupid stuff. They did the branding. Remember the branding? Uh huh. With a do. freaking coat hanger or some shit. Yeah. <laughs> that's like that's some high school boy shit, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I guess some of us grow up quicker than others, though, right? Yeah, I'll tell you, it's uh, there's some. There's some things to be seen. (laughs) (laughs) 
Well, I guess, uh, you know, I, I'm at a bit of a loss for stuff to ask you. I'm, you know, I always like to get people's kind of personal philosophy. I, I'd be curious, maybe if you tell us like, I don't know, a little, whatever open forum here to you, but I'd be curious how you got to knives, right? Like, and, and, uh, why? Well, um, there's, there's a lot of things of why, I guess, like, I mean, who doesn't like knives? They're cool, right? They're cool as fuck, man. <laughs> <laughs> I, why um, would I, why would I have paid what I paid for this? If I didn't think it was super fucking cool, man. Yeah. Yeah. Like the thing is, is the thing with a knife, right? Is okay. Here's why not a knife, right? Why not a knife? is because our society is going the way of the birds and like, Oh, you make weapons. So like, yeah, sometimes people ask me what I do and I'm like, Oh, I make weapons of mass destruction. <laughs> <laughs> like, Ooh, he makes, he makes not, he makes weapons, you know, Ur, scary. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, I don't make weapons. Okay. Like mm-hmm. I, I'm not really into the fighting knives and the, you know, like all this. Cause I mean, I'm, I'm, uh, I would hope to be a peacemaker, right? Like mm-hmm. I could, I could be violent if I had to be, I'm only going to be violent to protect my family or, you know, it's gonna, it's gonna, you're just gonna take a lot for me to be violent, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, so I don't, I don't see, I like to make things that people can use and that, um, you know, I just, I don't, I don't have, I'm not that guy. Like, I'm not the, you know, I, I enjoy, I've taken some martial arts, I enjoy sparring, I enjoy, um, you know, fitness and being active, but do I enjoy seeing people hurt? No. Like, do I like to watch, you know, MMA fights? Like I watch, I do like, I, I do appreciate the skill. Like some of those fighters are just amazingly skillful and it's, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's cool. Right. But I, as a father, see somebody's son getting permanently injured for life. For what? You know? For potential glory, I suppose, which seems right. awfully, seems a little bit foolish in, in hindsight, maybe. Yeah. So I'm not. So that's why, like, I'm just not too fond about making, you know, weapons. Right. Mm-hmm. But. Yeah, a knife could be used for a weapon. And well, this it, this design to me screams like self defense. Is that not the intent of this no, design, that, or is this is this meant as a utility uh, blade? I think that it's a good deterrent. Okay, especially for you know women. Like I think it if they're carrying a knife around their neck. And for one, if it's, if it is visible, I think it's going to give a lot of attackers kind of a, oh, hey, 
she might not be an easy target. Give them pause. Yeah. Yeah. If it's concealed, it could be a good line of defense. Um, but ultimately like I'm happy if that deters violence, Mm -hmm. but if one of my daughters was being attacked, would I want her to have to use her knife? No, I, I'd sure hope she had something more effective than a knife. And I sure hope that she spots the danger before that's all that she can get to, you know? Right. So, um, I think that if you're relying on a knife for defense, that's a bad plan. (laughs) You need to learn how to be observant. You need to learn how to see danger before it gets to you and get out of the way. Right. So, um, yeah. So you asked why knives, I wanted to make something that everybody uses, everybody can, you know, like, right. Everybody, not everybody uses a knife, but everybody could use a knife every day. Right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Even something simple, like opening packages. How many times have you opened a bag of chips and had them fly all over the room? Right. Right. Like let's just avoid the frustration. Just yank out your neck knife and slice it cleanly open. Right. Well, I was, I was cutting a bit of rope earlier and I, my whole thing is I really like the neck knife because, um, I used to carry a pocket knife in my, in my front pocket. And like, anytime I'd reach into my pocket for my phone, my lighter, whatever, um, I would like have to kind of like rub a against like those rough edges on a pocket knife. And it, it, you know, there were times where it just, you know, it would irritate me. And uh, so it was nice. Like today I I had a little bit of rope that I had to cut like pretty stout rope. And (laughs) with any of my utility blades, I know it would have taken some like elbow grease, right? Some like force. I took out the neck knife and I swear it was like butter, man. Easy. It was so easy. I'm like, damn, Pat. (laughs) (laughs) yeah so there's always an opportunity where a knife just is the best tool for the job Mm -hmm. Uh, and like you said with the neck knife so my first good knife i bought a kershaw leak do you know what that is i know the brand but i i couldn't i couldn't like point out that model no ken onion designed the leak he's a very well-known knife designer <laughs> leak I like really, the vegetable like l-e-e-k yeah okay yeah i think yeah i'm pretty sure that's what it is l-e-a-k l-e i think it's, i think it's leak like the vegetable okay anyways uh it's a very elegant design it's a very good design it's very it's a very the big thing for me was it was a very thin blade and with a knife you want your knife to be as thin as possible for the job that you're doing like mm-hmm. the thinner, the better it's going to slice. All right. Um, and that's what I liked about the Japanese, right? They make things that cut really well and they're not the big German. Hey, you can cut a two by four and half with this. No, we're not cutting two by fours, dummy. Like mm-hmm. we're slicing vegetables. We're not making choppers here, you know? Um, so my first you know, good knife was a Kershaw leak, which at the time I think was about $49. And, um, I love that knife. It slipped, you know, had pocket clip carried it everywhere. I think it had a little bit of a, like auto, it wasn't automatic, but it was spring assisted open. And, uh, 
the thing is, is I, I carry that knife. I used it. I liked it. But that pocket clip, you know, would get bent or screws would fall out of the thing and I'd lose it, you know, forget it. And you're sitting down. Losing, and, losing pocket knives is a bummer. I, I've done uh, that, t- you know, a couple dozen times. It sucks. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> when I got into the neck knife world, I was like, you know, this makes a lot of sense because mm-hmm. it's very accessible. It's very accessible, whether I'm in coveralls, whether I'm sitting down, whether I'm standing up, it's always there. And I basically take my knife off when I shower and put it right back on when I get out. So I never forget it. I never like you wear it I, to sleep. I, I should. I do. I sometimes I do. I it occasionally I'll take it off when I'm sleeping, but it's right by my bed. It goes yeah. on first thing. Yeah. Um, so I have forgotten it, but I don't get very far where I'm like, I don't have my knife. And it's, it's a very rare occasion that I don't have a knife on me. Mm-hmm. So um, that's what I like about a neck knife. The, the why, why knives? Because I've wanted to do some sort of work for myself since I was, you know, young. And I had a general contracting business for a little while where I just did like handyman stuff, replace people's roofs or sheetrock or hang drywall or, you know, just whatever anybody needed done. Mm -hmm. And you had to travel, you know, like you had to, you know, you had to go places and do things. And, and I wanted something that I could do at home, you know, in my, my shop. And, um, so Knives was something too. The problem is though, if you're doing something, you know, like a handyman service, my area of work is about a 30, 60 mile radius from where I live. And the further I get away from home, you know, the less time I'm actually working. So the beautiful thing with a knife is it's small, it's compact, and I can ship it anywhere just about. You know, I've shipped knives all over the world. So now I have a job that I can do from home and my customer base is almost unlimited. Right. So, uh, it's kind of funny because, you know, the Genesis knife, I've sold thousands of them. And the thing is I could sell another, I could sell a million of them. You know what I mean? Like, and you wouldn't you wouldn't even be scratching the surface of the potential market even even then, right? Right, right, right. I could be a one hit wonder. <laughs> well, you get into one of those man boxes that these you know want to be want to be you know big guys. You know, have you seen I these al- things? No, dude, I almost got in one of those. <laughs> I, I shouldn't even make fun because there's probably some cool shit in there. But that would be no. I, I, if you could get on one of those. I'm sure you no. have to have a, a thousand pieces ready to move or something, right? Yeah, like, no, yeah, no, I don't want to be because here's no. why. I figure most of that stuff's kind of cheap stuff for the for the most part, anyhow. But, well, and that's the problem, right? Yeah. So anytime there's a middleman, so I I was going to get one of those boxes, 
uh, I talked to the guys. They're like, you know, can you get us, how long will it take you to get six, 7,000 knives? And I'm like, I need nine months. Yeah. I need a year, nine months to a year to get that many knives ready. And I would need, you know, I would need a down payment and I would need the time to fulfill an order like that. And, and it would be like a year would be pushing it. I would have to really change how I do things. Mm-hmm. So, and I wouldn't be able to sharpen every knife. Like right now, every knife I sell, I sharpen. Mm-hmm. I don't have anybody else that, you know, my daughter helps me package knives. My son will help me a little bit in the shop, but I, I sharpen every knife that I sell. So, um, you know, I talked to him and then, then we started discussing price and I was like, dude, the prices they were giving me like barely covered material. Yeah. And I'm like, you're, you're, you're like so far away from where I'm at. Like, it's not even funny. And, um, hmm. so I talked to another knife maker friend of mine who had actually got in that box, um, you know, a few months later and he's like, man, that was the worst thing for my business ever. He's like, because, they ended up shipping their product. They actually ended up having it made in China, even though <clears throat> I think it was advertised as made in America. Yeah. And you got 7,000 people who know zero about your brand, your company and what you're doing. And these are the kind of screwballs that hammer your knife into a stump and bend it over sideways and snap the blade and then say, that knife's a piece of junk. Yeah. And write your review on, whatever yeah right right so it's yeah it's it's not better to have what you know a thousand happy customers than ten thousand unhappy customers yeah 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 and it i mean it's it's i would say kind of like the whole yeti cooler thing you know Mm. like i want to make a good product i want to charge a good price and um you know, I want people that know what they're buying, that are informed and that just like quality, you know, and and, right. and are not afraid to pay for it and know that it's American made and it's it's supporting a small business. And, you know, like I feel like that's a lot of our problem with where we're at today is we've we've got what we wanted. We got the cheap price. Cheap and convenient. Yep. Right. Yep. And I don't like that world that we're in now, you know, I'm with you. I'm with you. Yeah. It's a similar philosophy to what I'm doing with my gardening. None of my clients, um, really balk at the price because they know that they get what they pay for. And, you know, I charge what I need to charge to make it worth my time. And, um, you know, if anything, I'm probably not charging enough yet. Um, but it is, it is kind of a fine line to walk, you know, do you charge 180 bucks or do you charge 240 bucks? You know, it's kind of like, eh, yeah, yeah, but yeah, man, well, I guess unless you have any final thoughts, we can probably wrap her up. You know, I know you got a whole, a whole, uh, household waiting on you practically, I gotta, but I got to go get on my hour long run now. Hey, there you go. Yeah. Well, I guess we'll wrap up there. You're, you're a big time runner, huh? You'd take that well, shit seriously it sounds like uh i don't know i i picked up running a couple of years ago and 
it's uh it's fun it's a mental it's a mental exercise mm -hmm. get into the get into the flow we never talked about <laughs> i think it's all we've been talking about brother man <laughs> uh, <clears throat> yeah it's uh i really enjoy it it's it's been good because the bad thing about knife making is is it's not real physical you're kind of standing in the same spot most of the day, right? Oh, uh, I could, I could work an entire day and not take 500 steps. Yeah. Yeah. Even though you're moving and you're working, you're working some muscles, but you're standing still. Yeah. Well, dude, like uh, an efficient shop, everything should be within two steps away. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Right. Like I set right. up, I, when I'm doing a job, I set up systems where, like where, when I make sheets, everything that I need for making sheets is all in one area and I don't move like mm -hmm. I'm moving, but I don't move like it's it's a very streamlined, efficient process. So, yeah. you know, developing those systems is key to being able to make an affordable product because. You can't be wasting, you know, like your your gardening designs, right? You need to be able to get to it in the slippers, right? You know, yeah, right. If right. I have to put on my shoes to get out to to work, you know. Well, to me, it's I, uh, you know, I have a similar ethic or a similar strategy, but different in that I I have to set up my shop at every given work site, right? Oh. So I've developed my system to where. If I've done my job right and if I've got my cut sheet, you know, figured out, I show up there with every scrap of timber, every screw, every tool, you know, and I, I can set up my little workspace to where, like you said, you're taking no frivolous extra steps. And it really is when it, when it clicks and when I'm really on, on, on my shit, um, it's amazing because I really won't take more than maybe a couple hundred steps processing all the lumber. You know, it doesn't come off the roof rack of the truck until I'm ready to cut it. And then once it's cut, it goes to where it's getting staged. And then once it's staged, it's basically directly going into place at that point. And um, once you get that kind of system, I love, you know, it's what permaculture teaches. And a lot of people kind of intuitively know just from a, just from an efficiency point of view you you have to think in these systems to make sure that you make that money i mean because if i have to make one extra trip back to my shop back to the you know hardware store that cuts into my revenue big time so so what is the easy peasy build your own raised bed system video coming out where you show people how to have everything you need and build your little raised bed so that you're servicing an area more than 30 square miles from. <clears throat> yeah man i think i think what i want to develop actually is more of the contractors you know video uh instruction manual and you know ideally empower people to build these as a side hustle or their own business um not that i would want to keep secrets from the homeowner that wants to do it for themselves but i think it's the kind of thing where well, any jackass can build a simple box and fill it with dirt. You know, I think the 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 true beauty in the system is that all these little details are kind of figured out for you and optimizes your effort and your money and, you know, sort of puts you in the best place to have success with the garden 
Um, so I don't know if I want to just post it all to YouTube. I yeah. think I might, no, I might I do it, it as a, as a private kind of, uh, e-course or what have you. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm pretty much the same. Like I, I'm all about, so Bill, Bill Davis, he's passed away now, but he's a, he's the knife maker that he taught me so much. Mm. And he said he would shut down his shop and bring people into his shop and teach them how to make a knife. And they would go home and never make another knife. Mm -hmm. And so he finally told me, he says, when people would ask him to teach him how to make a knife, he says, go home and make a knife and bring it to me and I'll show you how you can do it better. Mm. And it was a litmus test to find out if you had what it took to stick to it. So he wasn't just wasting his time investing in these people who just want it you know like there's a there's a real good youtube video i'll have to send you a clip to it mm. it's called teach me to make a sword and uh basically what it boils down to is the guy's like well how about you come to my shop and i'll grab a hold of your hands and put the hammer in it and the steel and i'll pound it out for you and you know like i'll do all the work for you so you can make your own sword he's like how does that sound and guys like, yeah, yeah, that'd be great. It's just like, yeah, you're not you welcome. Know? Yeah, get like, out of here. Yeah, <laughs> no, no, yeah. you're not gonna get the satisfaction of being able to tell people that you made your own sword without all the sweat, and the tears, and the experience that it took to to acquire mm -hmm. that. You know, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so. Yeah, man. There's a lot of window shoppers out there that think that they're gonna be super into something say gardening, you know, I get tons of people who call me out for a consultation and I'll pretty much get a read on them in the first couple of minutes. If I think that they're frankly like worth my time, because I've, I've built some gardens for some folks who just didn't even give a shit about it. And if you don't care about it, like I can't be there every day. I can't care yeah. for it. It's not, it's not my garden. I can help you care for it, but you have to care. And uh, so I, I have kind of avoided or uh you know not followed up with certain people because uh it's like yeah i just don't get the vibe that you really are doing this for for the right reasons like i think you think it's cool and trendy but you're not really taking it seriously um and you know i get it all across the board but that's neither here nor there we're we're in the last five minutes here bub any any, <laughs> any final thoughts oh <laughs> Man, I just enjoyed visiting with you, and I'm yeah, sure we man. can go on for another 40 minutes. But uh, easily, uh, easily. I know. Yeah. Uh, I think what you're doing is really cool. Um, I think you know, like you kind of touched on there. You you need to find those people who are wanting to work with you. Mm -hmm. Not you're not just their gardening well, slave. They're lackey. You know? Yeah, they're. Right. The glorified, you know, glorified landscaper. No, you're yeah. empowering those people who, you know, want your knowledge and your expertise that, you know, want that, want that little garden spot. And, uh, you know, I wish you lived closer to me because, um, I would, I totally would love something like you set up. Um, but I also know too, like for me, it's just the time, you know, mm. like you gotta be <laughs> honest with yourself. And, and honest of like, how bad do you want it? Like, really, that's the truth of it is if you want it bad enough, 
you like I could go out and do it myself, but I just don't want I have too many other things that I prioritize um with my family, with the knives, with running. Um so well, you're yeah. no slouch, though. I mean, I know you keep a flock of birds, and like you said, you were just processing them a couple days ago, right? Yeah, actually, uh, we we have worked out a pretty good deal. We got some friends that are raising birds, so we just help them with the processing. Oh, cool, cool. Yeah, so that's cool. But you get some birds out of it; they get they get pre-packaged and ready to go stuff to sell, huh? They get child labor. <laughs> <laughs> hey, the world is not yet hopeless, you know. <laughs> Thank God. We got to have these kids out in the fields, you know, earning their salt. That's right. That's right. (laughs) Well, Patrick, man, it has been a pleasure. Uh, You know, we'll have to obviously keep in touch. Yeah, I think I think we're pals at this point. But um, have you decided yet on October? Are you going to be there? Uh, I don't think I'm going to make October. I -hmm. wish I could. Um, I just got too many things going on. But. Well, I'll well, definitely look forward to seeing you at a future event. You certainly will. You certainly will. I'm glad we made this happen. Right on, buddy. Well, uh, yeah, good luck with everything. Keep keep uh keep making that shit sharp, brother. I will. <laughs> right Take on. care, man.